Hello and welcome to season six of the Podcast Base podcast. This season will focus on making money with your podcast. There are so many ways to monetize a podcast without a large audience or thousands of downloads. I'll tell you how I monetize mine and we'll also have guests on the show who share about their podcasting journey. So let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, podcast babes. Welcome to a new episode. And today is an interview episode. I'm not alone today. Today I am joined by Rachel Brenker and she is a podcast host, of course, a serial entrepreneur. She even has several podcasts as well. She is the host of the Real Biz Talk podcast and also Coffee and Contracts podcast. She knows a lot about business, but she also knows a lot about podcasting. And I'm very, very excited to have her on the show today. So Rachel, welcome to the show. Hey, and thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you do exactly? Because I already mentioned you have <laughs> several businesses, several podcasts. Can you tell us more? Yes. What I'm happy is you didn't lead with me being a lawyer because I think all of the like audio would <laughs> and the listeners would fall off because lawyers are <laughs> like, no fun, right? But yeah, so I'm a business strategist and intellectual property attorney. I'm in multiple niches. So I have the different podcasts just so they're very niche specific to the industry. Real Biz Talk podcast is kind of the main one for Rachel Branke, me for business consulting clients. And that one's an intermittent kind of seasonal podcast. We do it leading up into our enrollments. And then I have Coffee and Contracts, which, like you mentioned, is niche specific for photographers and it's legal based. And we actually, the format for that is something we've been testing out and really kind of fun, you know, real biz like this, where we, you know, interview or I solo talk in a room by myself and I record. But for Coffee and Contracts, I've been doing live recording with an audience and that's been a lot of fun. And the audience and the students are really enjoying it. So I'm excited to continue that. Awesome. Cool. So with these several podcasts, which one was the first and how did you start that one? So Real Biz Talk podcast actually started as Business Bites podcast. It was a couple of years ago and it was just 12 minutes initially, Business Bites, right? Like quick bites of content for busy entrepreneurs. It's about 10 to 12 minute episodes of just me talking. And then as it grew, you know, listeners were like, oh no, we would love to hear you talk on this topic and that topic. And I am the first to say, you know, i you know, humbly say I'm really good at business, but I also know I don't know all the things. So that's when I kind of pivoted over to Real Biz Talk. We get real business, real honest with the individuals that come on the podcast so they can talk in their little zone of genius and kind of share their expertise. Mm -hmm, I see. And when did you start the next podcast then? So how long into your podcast journey was that? So what's interesting with Coffee and Contracts podcast is the brand that it's under has actually been around for 12 years. And I've been playing with different, and I'm sure a lot of people listening have tried this as well, with different kind of methods of how can you deliver content and connect with your audience. And so I had done, you know, lives on Facebook. We tried Instagram and YouTube and all of that. And I wasn't getting a lot of listenership necessarily. And it was more of like a reactive, let's wait to hear it. So we pivoted to this live format with we're doing it on zoom actually so we are limited to 100 seats and it allows for the audience to ask questions after the fact and so that it rewards them for showing up live we answer the q a only live and that doesn't go on the podcast just like the first portion of where i teach and so it kind of is double duty for me right it's allowing me well multiple reasons it's allowing me to connect with the audience live get to know them hear back from them but it allows for me to teach at the same time and kind of get multiple things of content, right? Because we use it as a big episode and then we chop it into smaller pieces for social media as well. 
Mm, I see. Yeah. So you're also doing the whole content repurposing game, which is awesome. I have so many questions, but first of all, how is it to record live with an audience? Like you mentioned, they can ask questions after the fact. So it's more of that interaction that you want with your audience. It is different, right? I can imagine that maybe there's different challenges when recording live with an audience than if it's pre-recorded. People are now think, hmm, that sounds really good. Maybe I also want to give live recordings a go. Do you have any tips or advice or learnings that you had over the past episodes that you recorded? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is I go in with an outline. Like I know the topic I'm going to talk on and I go in with an outline. And so I try to teach much like how we're doing this now. I try to do it in one take. But, you know, with it being live, people are asking questions. And it's a video podcast with so video and audio as well, because it's also going on YouTube plus social media. So it you know, I've fine-tuned over the years of teaching through like Facebook Lives and such and trying to watch the comments at the same time. So if you're one of those that you're going in and you're wanting to kind of, how do I say this? Like, I don't stop and go, oh, hey, Anne from the audience asked me this question. When I'm in the teaching portion, I'm really trying to do it all though, like as though I'm in my room by myself with the camera. And so I'm trying to catch the questions while still looking at the camera so the reason I bring that up is if that's the kind of format. So if you go and look at mine, you're like, oh, I love that format, but I don't hear her asking, you know, taking questions. The questions that pop up while I'm teaching, you know, like I mentioned, I won't say, oh, Anne asked this. I'll try to seamlessly integrate it into the podcast. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with going, oh, yeah, you know, Anne asked this and Rachel asked that. A little bit more interactive. But for my purposes, like I mentioned, we try to reward the audience that the very direct Q&A we want to keep that exclusive to those that really committed their time to show up. So like the first 40 minutes, 20 to 40 minutes is my teaching. I'll check the questions on the screen. I try to put that into my teaching. And then after that, I'll go back through very specifically the questions, do any follow-ups. But we cut the whatever is publicly published and, you know, not to have that Q&A portion to reward that. So I share all that to say I would first determine what kind of direction you want to go, right? Like how polished are you wanting to be? I know going into that podcast at the first 20 to 40 minutes, depending on the topic of what I'm teaching, I know that it's going to be repurposed for social media. And it's not to say you couldn't use it, you know, with you being more colloquial and interacting with audience. I'm really looking at for more of a teaching and professorship <laughs> almost standpoint since I'm teaching legal stuff. And it makes it a lot easier, too, to be able to slice and dice because what we have like 60 seconds over on Instagram and like, you know, they're all all the different platforms have different length of video. And you're also wanting to try to find the sweet spot with your audience. So I say all that to say that's the big picture, kind of like what I'm looking at, determine, you know, the format that you want to do it and look at what your strengths are. You know, I mentioned we've been trying with, co you know, coffee and contracts is relatively new for the audience and myself. We've been around for 12 years. It just wasn't called Coffee and Contracts all, the whole time. We were doing it in different platforms. We tried audio only. We tried other ways. And we're finding right now testing this works really well. So start with what your strengths and weaknesses are and what works best for you, what your audience is going to be into. And for me, I'm big on repurposing. So just think about how you really can repurpose this content in the end. You know, I have five kids. I have multiple businesses. I compete with Team USA. Like I'm doing all these things. So when I sit down, like even for this podcast, when I sit down to record, I'm looking at getting multiple returns from it. So anytime I'm sketching out a content plan per episode, by season, you know, all of that, or even just the format that we're looking at doing it, I want to get at least three returns, right? So for example, with my podcast, Coffee and Contracts, 
I'm getting the teaching portion, which is going to go on YouTube and the blog and the audio. Then I'm also getting the Q&A portion that rewards my audience. So that's two. And then kind of the third would be chopping up the long video into short little tidbits I can put on social. So that's a long-winded answer to, <laughs> to your question of what should people look for? How should they decide, you know, what they're going to do? But that's big picture how I look at it. And then we will do a good like three to four months of committing to that very specific process. And then we'll look at the analytics. We'll see what we need to change. And then we'll make changes. If you're constantly making big changes from one episode to the other, you don't really have any touch points on what's changing because variables could be the time of year, right? Your audience could listen more in one season than another season. It may have nothing to do with your platform or what you're teaching. And so we try to, like with Real Biz Talk, where we're seasonal, we very specifically choose the seasons that we are alive and we record and push out for that because it's for busy entrepreneurs. We know what seasons they're busier in. So we try to actually push out episodes when they're not so busy so that when we're looking at like our key performance indicators and running a three to four month content runway of, you know, all these decisions that we just decided how to produce the podcast and so we really get a feel for if the audience is enjoying it because there's no sense in just making that decision. Oh, I'm going to do it this way and that and then never really keying in if your audience is big into it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So experiment, but also make a plan for mm -hmm. that like experimental phase so that you don't switch up everything every time yes. and you can really see what the data does. Like not, I also like sometimes for my other podcast. I also had a few weeks with Las Danos, but I think it also has something to do with like the war that's going on in, uh, in the Ukraine and everything. And I know that people are like just not in the headspace to listen to an entertainment podcast. So that I think that is a great tip to really like set a timeline. Okay, this is what we're going to do for this time. And then we'll go back, look at the data and see what we can change again. So I also want to go a little bit more into content repurposing. I love content repurposing. I think it's so, so important to do that so that we don't make ourselves busier than we actually should be, probably. And okay. I know that you are all about not hustling too hard. Just you have so many businesses and kids and podcasts and everything. <laughs> it's true. Um, but you're also not into the whole hustle culture. Can you tell me more about your message about this and how you, like, how you do this? Yeah. <laughs> how do so you do this? Yeah, I know. You need to write. You were like, so many kids. It's true. I do. I have five <laughs> kids. Like, it's a lot some days. And I love it. I enjoy it. And I, you know, it's kind of nice is with having the multiple businesses and multiple kids and so much going on, it forces me to be more strategic when I sit down to work. So every day has very specific tasks of what I'm supposed to do that day. And it's very structured. I'm not so inflexible, but. It's very structured, but definitely kind of like the inside I've already given up. How do I make decisions, right? How do I decide when I'm going to do something? I need to make sure that I've analyzed all the things without paralyzing myself, but to also ensure that I'm not just throwing spaghetti noodles at a wall and see what will stick. Now, sometimes we do try that on some projects, but they're typically on things that don't require me to show up for, right? Like if maybe there's like a passive blog post or a social media post or something that needs to happen. Although I typically do most content, if we're just testing something, then my team will try to emulate my voice and go do that because they know that when I sit down to do something, look at the whole analysis we just went over, like how do you decide the platform and the method, how long it's going to be, what's your topics and all that. For me, as the leader of the business, and I'm really the face and I'm the content creator, I am the content, right? I'm the talent, so to speak. 
that when I sit down to do something, I need to get at least three returns for what I'm doing. And so we're very strategic. We do a lot of strategy and thought and planning out before I even press record on anything or even sit down to do any sort of task, which can sound kind of counterintuitive. Oh, well, you're putting all that time in. You might not actually create any content because the thing is, once I start creating content, I'm going to commit to a three to four month runway of that content because you got to have repeated consistency, right? You got to have touch points constantly, consistently, constantly putting out to your audience, whatever, if it's your podcast, if it's your blogs or social media posts, I use this analysis of looking at it for all the content in my business. So once I commit to those three to four months, you know, we got to make sure that we got the good structure, but exactly what you just said, content repurposing. So like I made the decision with coffee and contracts that for the first segment, when I'm teaching, I know very specifically how I'm going to utilize those clips later based on my outline. I know that I'm going to get at least three to four different topics, which can be even carved down into three to four posts themselves because of length. And so I'm already looking right there. That's at least 12 to 16 different posts. How many, you know, you do your own math and how often you post and that sort of thing. So that is, it sounds like it's getting a little bit in the weeds, but for me, when I'm sitting down to create the content and I'm going to repurpose, I want to know what the max way that I can utilize it. Right? Well, I guess I shouldn't even say max. I should say the minimum that I may get out of it. Anything after that is just an added benefit. And then same thing goes for like, since I have video podcasts with mine, making sure that I've got the lighting and the structure and, you know, like that's going to be able to adapt to different platforms. Because I think some of the biggest mistakes that I made in the very beginning is that I was so focused and maybe I should back up and say content is king, right? You can have the worst, I wouldn't say worst audio. Your audience still has to hear it. You don't have to have the most professional grade expensive audio. You don't have to have the best lighting or whatever it is. Because you know, I know some are just audio. Real biz talk is only audio podcasts. So content is king, but we still want to think about these other things, especially if you consider that when we put content out there as a podcaster, it's living out there, right? It may have a short lifespan, maybe on reels or on Instagram stories or whatever. But if you're really content purposing it properly, it's going to be living on if you have your website that's linked to your podcast, if you're putting it on a YouTube channel, it's going to live out there. And so I think the biggest mistakes I made in the very beginning was really focusing just on content and not thinking bigger and longer picture. Like I look back and some of the <laughs> videos are so bad. The audio is so horrible. Now I say all that to say, I still think imperfect action is better than perfect procrastination. So don't get yourself all tripped up, right? Because we're wanting to work more purposely here rather than this hustle, 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 constantly put out content and make it perfect. It can be imperfect. Don't get wrapped around being perfect, but also think like long-term, how is it going to serve you? Because I look at stuff from five years ago and I'm like, oh, that was really good. I said that. How can I reuse this? Well, the video is awful. So I'm like, okay, I can rip the audio at least, you know? But if I had thought about it five years ago and had decent video, I'd be able to just reuse the video without having to necessarily re-record it or, you know, put slides, create slides now to overlay the audio. And that's just kind of how I go into each of these. How can we make sure that this has long-term, you know, longevity and use, not just now content repurposing. I feel like the conversation is often just how can I immediately use it, but we need to think long-term, how can we utilize it? Especially if you're talking on like the main pillars of your business, like one of mine is legal, obviously. And so anytime that I'm bringing legal information to the forefront. I want it to be almost timeless, classic, be able to pull up a video from five years ago and not cringe necessarily over the quality. 
Yes, I love that. Really the long-term vision for your content. Like you said, the podcast, it's always there. It lives out there. So also for Real Biz Talk, you don't release new content now, right? You're kind of in between seasons for that one, but people can still listen to the older episodes and they're on the website, very easy to find. So I think that is great advice. Is there any other learnings that you had over the past, I think like more than 300, maybe even more episodes that you created over your podcasts? I think don't be afraid to change what you're doing. You know, I kind of gave a little insight into when I got into it, I was like, oh, 12 minute episodes for the busy entrepreneur, get in, get out, give a lot of information. And if I probably could have stuck doing that, and I probably would have done fairly well with business anyways, because people, you know, my audience, my potential clients want to hear my teachings. But it was because I stopped and listened to them when they were like, hey, can you talk about the psychology of X? Well, I'm not a psychologist, you know, or can you talk about, oh, I can't even think about another topic, but any topics that aren't really that I could talk to, but I couldn't give a really fair shape to. And if I hadn't pivoted over to bringing on guests, I feel like I probably would have lost some listenership. And it's not for anything that I necessarily was doing, it was what I was not doing, right? I wasn't pivoting and changing and growing with what the audience was interested in. Now, the other side of it is just because, you know, a listener says, I would like to see this doesn't mean you have to do this. You know, it's a balance of how it fits into your plan. But I know that for me in the beginning, I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm only going to do it this way. And I, you know, we're going to commit to this. So that's why I really try to commit only to that three to four months type of content runway and then do reevaluation. We try to survey our listenerships. We have a Facebook group that goes with it as well for both the podcast and just kind of listen to see what they're interested in. Yeah, you know, this is the first year I've moved Real Biz Talk into kind of a seasonal podcast. And it was so that I could focus a bit more on coffee and contrast because there is just one of me. And I think that's okay, right? You know, I still use the Real Biz Talk episodes, like you mentioned. We share them in the groups all the time. We reshare them. They're timeless content. There's not a lot of time-sensitive information in there, which may be different if you're like a news podcast or about celebrities or something. You know, it might have a shorter shelf life. A lot of what I'm sharing can be utilized again and again. And so even now, our content, we still go back to those old episodes and say, how can we still seamlessly use them? And we use them to answer questions in our community without me or my team having to recreate something. Exactly. That sounds really cool. I was also wondering, so the Coffee and Contracts, podcast has been around for a few years now, but the brand has already been there for 12 years. What changes did you see in your business since launching the podcast or since doing that consistently? Is there a big change or? You know, I'll tell you, I was just talking about this with the team this morning, actually about where what it's almost an intangible, right? Your podcast is very difficult in that unless you're delivering it only on your website with a direct link to buy a product or do an action, it's really hard to track it. So for me, like we sit here in segment on the back end, we know who the registrants are, we look for seat purchasers and we look at the numbers. Well, we had determined that our goal isn't so much a monetary return, it's for brand awareness. So while we may not immediately make a sale or, well, I guess a sale, from like today, I'm going to be recording this afternoon live. I may not make sales within the next seven days, but it doesn't mean in six months when that person has a problem that they don't necessarily, you know, they already have the brand awareness. They understand how I teach. They're confident in the products. Then they'll buy into it. And I know that my subject matter of legal is a little different. A lot of my listenership is more reactive. And so we actually find, and this is what's interesting with testing this live podcast, is we find because of my subject matter, 
is that most people are waiting till they have the pain to seek out the solution. So they're not necessarily listening to my podcast when I delivered in January. We'll look at the listenership go up later on and let, you know, does that make sense when I'm saying like further out than when I just published it? Whereas I think other podcasts may find it differently. So I saw that to say, I think we just determine brand awareness is what's most important. And we find it to be a supporting actor to the revenue generation, but it's not our sole revenue generation activity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I expected when I started this podcast that this was going to be where I would find new clients. Didn't happen. Like you said, not directly, but I also noticed that new clients, they did listen to the podcast. So they found my something, website, Instagram, something, then listen to the podcast. And that is basically what nurtures people into then booking a discovery call and becoming an actual client. Mm -hmm. So it's more like that in-between phase. And I think that's also good to know for other podcasters, like when you don't make direct sales from the podcast, that's okay. You're not doing it wrong. (laughs) No, and that's discouraging. It can be very discouraging. You just don't know the seeds that you're laying out there. But I think it's, you know, it's one of those, especially if you hear from me, I'm one of those, I'm very much, let's look at the analytics, let's look at the KPI. So I struggle with this. And so what you just said about nurturing just resonated with me so well, because I think it kind of gives me myself permission to step back and go, you know, you've planted the seeds, it's out there, it's nurturing, it'll come around. And even if it doesn't, I just think about the amount of people that you're reaching with your podcast, you don't need all of them to be your clients or your customers, you only need a segment. And so just if you're a newer podcaster and you're feeling discouraged, I've been doing this for how many years that I still don't see a one-to-one equivalent. Now I see enough value though. Like you just said, I hear from clients, oh, I heard you on a podcast or I found you from here. I see enough value that I still do these interviews and I still have my own podcast. I just don't go into every week going, okay, I'm recording this podcast at 1 p.m. Eastern. I expect to see a landslide of money. It's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I think that's really good to know. Oh, I just had a question there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's why we don't record live. Oh, yeah. So you mentioned analytics are super important for you. What are some of the analytics that you look at? I know that podcasters in general complain a little bit that there is not much info out there. Like, I don't know how we're doing because the data is quite like limited that you get in most hosting platforms. So what do you look at specifically when you're making decisions on what to change and why to change that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I have had my own grumblings. And actually what you just said about lack of analytics is what has in the past made me go say to the team, I'm going to quit. We're not doing it anymore. And they're like, hold on a second. Because I'm not able to tangibly, because again, my time, right? It's my time and my commitment. And it's all of the strategy leading up into it and making sure I can repurpose. I want to make sure that I'm getting the best bang for my buck, but we can't even tell that. So I know for us, we're a little different, right? I look at the normal analytics that we have. We track like listens, downloads, all that sort of stuff. Apple is so super limited on what it gives us there. But for us, we utilize the podcast more to nurture our existing listenership. And so it's our email list that we're feeding it to because it's my core content that I'm putting out, right? I might do some social media posts with static images, but this is really the only content that I'm putting out in front of my audience. And so what we track is we email to our list. We're letting them know like Coffee and Contracts live recording is coming up. And then we track obviously opens, clicks and subscriptions, you know, because they have to RSVP because we only have a hundred seats and we do that by choice. 
And then we look at how many actually show up for the live. Then we send out the replay. We check all the same analytics because we're also double checking to see what topics, which is really little difficult. Like we mentioned before, we don't know the variables that are going on in the world, but we're also trying to see a correlation between the time that we email out emails, the subject lines, and what the actual topics are, because everything else is consistent. They know it's going to be every other week. They know exactly what the format's going to be. So all those variables are taken off the table. That has been consistently set out. But yeah, it's like I said, we try in our email system, we can semi-track also conversions to shop. But for the most part, we're really only tracking signups, attendance, and then getting on to the normal list because we don't fully throw them on. If they're new RSVPs, we'll email them and ask them if they went and got into the email list. We don't just blast put them on there. So we're kind of looking at new people and existing people and then all the analytics I just mentioned for both and just kind of to see. And we really have more existing audience members that come. And that's okay because, again, the goal is, you know, brand awareness and resource content for them. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all this, Rachel. I think it was really good to hear how you approach this like whole podcasting thing and how you make the decisions. I learned a lot from you. I think I have some things to reconsider also yeah. like looking at, especially like we also do seasons, right? So I think it's really good. Maybe I should do that a little bit more to really look at the analytics after the season, see what worked, what did it work. We kind of do that, but I think we can do it better. I think we can definitely learn from you and how strategic you are in creating the podcast and producing the content. What is the best way for people to find out more about what you do and if they are also interested in either legal or any other side of your business, the business strategy, where can people find you best? So you guys can find me at rachelbrinke.com. We actually have a podcaster specific page where you can find like legal documents to use with like your guests and stuff like that, as well as my podcast, The Real Biz Talk is linked at the top. And we're going to be opening up the next season here in June. So well, when we're recording this is mid-May. So it'll be June when we pull up the next season because we're then leading also into our next enrollment for our community. So but if you guys have any questions at all, I'm the only Rachel Brinke on all the social media. I do my own social because, again, I am the content. I'm the face. And so just reach out if you have any questions. I'd be happy to answer else. Find a resource to help you guys out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. This was awesome. Awesome. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guest if you found her tips useful. It's always good to hear that. And don't forget, I'm releasing another episode on Wednesday. These Wednesday apps are really short and quick with a tip that you can implement right away. So I'll see you there. Hey, Podcast Babe. Before you go, I want to tell you real quick about a free tool that we developed a quiz. So if you have heard me talking about podcast monetization and all the different options that you have and you're like, okay, cool, but what's the right one for me? That is exactly what you can find out in this quiz. So if you go to thepodcastbabes.com forward slash quiz, you can answer nine questions. It will only take you five minutes. And one of the podcast monetization strategies will roll out of this quiz as the perfect strategy for you. Of course, I will also give you some tips on how to get started, some podcast episodes to listen to, specified to the outcome of your quiz. So 
go to the podcast babes forward slash quiz, take the quiz and start monetizing.